Hey, good morning, playbookers. I'm Rugged Munavalin. It's Wednesday. We're halfway through September, and this is your Politico Playbook Daily Briefing. Alrighty, before we get into it, Gavin Newsom survived the recall election in California. Survived slash decimated the recall election in California. Early estimates Wednesday morning had the margin that'll keep Newsom in office by over 20%. Exit poll numbers from Edison Research had some interesting nuggets. More than 4 in 10 Democrats called coronavirus their top issue. That's compared to 1 in 5 Republicans. Republicans were three times as likely as Democrats to call the economy their top issue. Stephanie Grisham writes in her upcoming book that she did not believe that the election was stolen and tried to convince Melania Trump there was no grand conspiracy to unfairly deny her husband a second term. But a senior Trump aide provided text messages to Playbook suggesting that Grisham was sympathetic too and in one instance tried to assist efforts to stop the certification of the election in her home state of Arizona. On November 5th, after Arizona's Attorney General Mark Burnovich refuted claims from Donald Trump supporters that voters who used Sharpies had their ballots improperly disqualified, Christian forwarded his tweet to a Trump aide and wrote of the AG, told you, useless. The following week, on November 12th, Grisham texted the same aide with a Washington Post report about Burnovich telling Fox News that there was, quote, no evidence of fraud that would change the results in Arizona. She wrote, such an ass. A month later, on December 12th, Grisham received a text from a lobbyist in Arizona, Gretchen Jacobs. Jacobs wrote that she had spoken with Karen Fan, a top Republican in the state Senate, and, quote, asked her what would cause her to withhold the electors needed to certify the results. According to the text, Fan told Jacobs, quote, if we could prove fraud, that would be a game changer. Jacobs then asked Grisham if she could help find $104,000 to hire a political consultant to work on finding evidence of fraud. The lobbyist wrote to Grisham, I can't bear that we would lose this over not having $100,000 to prove what we know is fraud. Grisham forwarded the text to the Trump campaign aide and asked, any ideas? Grisham declined to comment. She referred playbook to Jacobs as well as Brett Meekum, an Arizona political operative and friend of Grisham's. Both said Grisham told them privately she did not believe the claims of widespread fraud. Multiple Trump aides said that they have, quote, more receipts to show that Grisham's recounting of events and her positions are not accurately portrayed in her upcoming book. I'll take your questions now. What I saw in the Trump White House. If there's one issue you'd think would unite Democrats, especially after Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's dress at the Met Gala, it's taxing the rich to help the poor and middle class. But a private tug of war is underway over what that looks like in practice, specifically how much of the $2 trillion in proposed tax hikes the party as a whole can swallow. As the House Ways and Means Committee spends this week marking up its part of the massive reconciliation bill, tax disagreements between moderates and progressives are raging behind the scenes. You can catch the full rundown in today's playbook, but here are the key fault lines. House Ways and Means Chairman Richard Neal wants to raise the top marginal income tax rate and increase capital gains taxes, but Senate Finance Chairman Ron Wyden and many progressives want to go further by aggressively targeting not only income, but accumulated wealth. It's a radical change and House moderates don't like the idea. One House source told us, quote, that's not happening. It's more trouble than it's worth. A group of lawmakers from high-tax states, including New York and New Jersey, have vowed to oppose the reconciliation bill, 
unless their constituents get relief from a $10,000 limit on the state and local tax deduction passed by Republicans in 2017. But progressives say backing away would look like a tax cut for the wealthy and expose the party to charges of hypocrisy from Republicans. It would also leave a lot of money on the table. Our sources expect this to get ugly. Some of the so-called salties are pushing to eliminate the cap for at least two years. The crazy thing about all of this is that Democrats are frantically trying to iron out their nitty-gritty tax details before they've even reached a consensus on how much revenue they actually need or have the votes to pass. Democratic leaders are insisting the reconciliation package will be $3.5 trillion and floating just under that amount in pay-fors. But party leaders don't know what Senator Jill Manchin's true bottom line is, and that's making everything more difficult. Here's what's up in Washington today, starting with the White House. At 9 a.m. Eastern, President Joe Biden will receive the president's daily brief. At 1.30, Biden will meet with the business leaders about the pandemic response in the EEOB library. At 5 p.m., Biden will speak briefly about a national security initiative from the East Room. Press Secretary Jen Psaki will brief at 12.45. The Senate will meet at 11 a.m. to take up Margaret Strickland's judicial nomination. The Judiciary Committee will hold a hearing on the Larry Nassar sexual abuse scandal at 10 a.m. The House is out today. The Ways and Means Committee will hold a markup on the reconciliation bill at 9 a.m. One last thing before we get out of here. Nearly all U.S. ambassador posts are unfilled. As the Biden administration struggles to get nominees confirmed, U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. Linda Thomas-Greenfield has been thrust into the spotlight while leading presidential delegations around the world. On the first episode of Politico's new podcast, Global Insider, host Ryan Heath talks to Thomas Greenfield in the days following the Taliban's takeover cobble about where she stands with Afghanistan's ambassador to the U.N., and what's next for U.S. relations in the country. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or catch a link in the show notes of today's episode. And let me know what you think of the show. For more news on what's breaking in D.C. right now, subscribe to the Playbook newsletter. That's at politico.com playbook. Our music is composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Rogan Monavall and have a great Wednesday. We'll see you first thing tomorrow morning.